Hello friends, this is Dr. Otis P. Brown, PhD, checking in with you live from COVID quarantine. How's it going? You know, I never have really used my academic titles. It made me uncomfortable to be called doctor. My students usually call me by my first name and I ask them to at the beginning of the semester. I've always felt that in America we were what we did, not what we were titled. I've also never pulled rank, or at least not on purpose. I can think of two two instances where um, I was sort of forced into it. One time I was driving downtown. I had a, I picked up from my buddy a $5,000 mandolin. I was in my old hot rod, and I had to go do some shopping to get some supplies to work on the mandolin and some things. And I wasn't going to leave a $5,000 mandolin I didn't own in a $500 jalopy I did. So I pulled in behind my office, and I ran in. I stashed it in my office. I came out. Traffic was busy. I kind of didn't, wasn't able to go the way I wanted to go, and I turned right, and I kind of chirped my tires a little bit, which I just, I just really kind of swayed the, swayed my right back tire off the ground a little bit. So I get pulled over right away. Cop comes up. License and registration. I get my license out. And uh, he sees I've got a knife in my pocket, which is just like a, a box cutter, like utility knife blade for opening, you know, boxes and sharpening pencils or whatever. It's legal on campus, by the way. And he says, put your knife on the dashboard. Do you have a gun? I'm like, no, I don't have a gun. He says, where's your registration? He's in the, in the glove box. So I start to reach for it. He goes, I'll do it. He reaches in there. And he slings everything out on the out of the glove box onto the floor of the truck. He looks around, picks up my registration. He looks at me, and then he gets around to the point. He says, what were you doing over there? I said, I stopped by my office to put a fine musical instrument in there. And he says, you work on campus? And I said, yeah. And he says, maintenance is on the other side of campus. I'm like, yeah, I, I know where it is. I work here. So anyway, he asked for my, you know, university ID, took it back to the car, and he came back, and it was all Dr. Brown this, Dr. Brown that. He said, we'll call it a misunderstanding, Okay. Okay. You know, I was ready to pay the ticket. I just wanted to be treated like somebody who had uh, participated in a very minor traffic infraction, not somebody who uh, was armed and dangerous. I don't think there's any law against looking shaggy and talking about Walt Whitman. I bring it up not because I'm looking for sympathy or something. I bring it up to... Uh, point out that guys like me rarely have to assert their credentials to avoid being treated poorly. 
I can kind of look however I want, and they're like, oh, that's just, that's his individual choice. People have made assumptions about me based on the fact that I dress in whatever, ordinary working clothes all most of the time. But probably on campus, more often than not, the assumption that gets made is the correct one, that I've got a fancy East Coast Ph.D., Particularly now that all the young guys in my department and around the university look about like I did back then. The fact is, though, for women and people of color, the assumption usually runs the other way. The assumption usually runs that they're less quote-unquote important or credentialed than they are rather than more. You know, there are various ways that I intellectualize and rationalize why I don't use my titles and honoraria. Uh, but really, when it comes right down to it, I think the reason I don't is because it's not questioned. Even when I'm walking around in overalls with a feed store hat on, people pretty much assume that I've got those sheepskins as they call the vellum diploma that I have somewhere. I don't even know where they are. I don't even I don't I don't even put them on my walls and I don't care. And it's because again the default assumption for a guy like me is that I've got all of that stuff. I've been thinking about it because uh, what's become known as the Dr. Jill Biden controversy has thrown it into relief. Uh, if this rates is controversial, by the way, I will take it. But the fallout from this is ongoing. And it continues to be uh, fairly vicious. I recognized a lot of very familiar arguments, and they're arguments that I've made, at least relative to myself. I've never, I don't think, um, told other people how they should or should not be addressed, uh, by the way. I think that within particular institutions, people uh, figure out how people want to be addressed and they, uh, and they honor and respond to that. What's been interesting and a little bit of a moment of self-reflection for me in that is that I've noticed that all of the arguments that I made it, may have made at one point or another about why I don't use my titles were made exclusively by men, and I would say exclusively by white men. And the argument supporting Dr. Jill Biden's right to use her title have mostly been made by other women. And a principle I think we need to get on board with as a country, uh, when women speak, we need to listen to them. Don't have to always agree, but you really got to listen. There's a wide range of this uh, of, of different usage in my institution. Um, it seems that uh, Dr. Jill Biden's students call her Dr. B, which is is interesting. It's informal, still shows a bit of respect. A lot of um, a lot of my colleagues go by Doctor and then their first name. Um, and frankly, some students are uncomfortable with calling me by my first name. And so um, they ask what they can call me or they uh, improvise another name for me. 
all of which is okay with me. But I guess what I want to say is it's up to uh, me and or the person involved to set those boundaries. And it's important to do so. The source of the controversy is frankly unsurprising. Uh, this guy, Joseph Epstein, who uh, who wrote the article that wanted to call uh, Joe Biden kiddo, uh, is known to me. He was the editor of the American Scholar, the journal of the Phi Beta Kappa Society. Takes its name from Emerson's great address to the Phi Beta Kappa Society um, that later became... Uh, titled The American Scholar. On the last day of August in 1837, Emerson addressed the Phi Beta Kappa Society at Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, he famously said, Our day of dependence, our long apprenticeship to the learning of other lands draws to a close. It was, a, it was an intellectual declaration of independence that in America we needed to go our own way, and part of that required a kind of smashing of titles, a kind of iconoclasm that um, allowed us to, as he says later, to remember that young men in libraries need to remember that Cicero, Locke, and Bacon uh, were themselves young men in libraries when they wrote their books. And it's an empowering speech, and I love it, but... I think it really matters which way that iconoclasm is flowing as a power dynamic. And Epstein, his background is that he had some college, he's basically one of these autodidact types, and he challenged basically the curriculum of the University of Chicago when he was in the Army and just took final exams and was granted a degree. So he really has no... College. I had a uh, an acquaintance. He wasn't a colleague because he was in my department before I. He left my department before I came there. But who did basically the same thing. Uh, he also had some unique views. Um, at any rate, Epstein had a long career as a lecturer at Northwestern University, and he probably um, was called Doctor. Incidentally during that time, I would imagine, because particularly starting in the 70s, it would have been uncommon to not call your professor doctor or professor, even though he was neither. In one particularly repellent moment in the article, he addresses this. He says, during my years as a university teacher, I was sometimes addressed, usually on the phone, as Dr. Epstein. On such occasions, it was all I could do not to reply, read two chapters of Henry James, and get into bed. I'll be right over. So that's kind of the grossest stereotype of a sleazy male professor in the 1970s or 80s. In that same paragraph, he basically brags about not having a degree. He says, I taught at Northwestern University for 30 years without a doctorate or any advanced degree. The contrast he's trying to set up here is that Dr. Jill Biden is quote-unquote only an associate professor at a community college where he taught at an elite institution 
without a degree. It's a kind of uh, intellectual capitalism, I guess. You know, I put in less and got more out of it than she did, so I win. This kind of minor disciplinary snobbery is a type of discrimination that's really common in the university. You know, uh, it's as if those people teaching Henry James are advancing the noble work of science and those people teaching, you know, young people how to write better and function better in the world are somehow doing something. Well, he says it in this way. In, in, in contemporary universities, in the social sciences and humanities, calling oneself doctor is thought Bush League. He thinks Jill Biden is Bush League because she's a woman and because she teaches writing. That's kind of the end of it as far as I see it through the lens of somebody who spent a lot of time in academia. It's also interesting because he left academia right about the time I entered it as a, an assistant professor on the tenure track. So I don't know how much he knows about the contemporary university. Contemporary for 2002 is certainly not contemporary for 2020. But this kind of bias and discrimination isn't limited to academics of his generation. There's this guy he's about my age, Kyle Smith, He's a writer. He has two recent articles uh, in the National Review. One of them is titled, Jill Biden's Doctorate is Garbage Because Her Dissertation is Garbage. And he says in it, you can tell someone is smarting from an inferiority, inferiority complex when he insists on being addressed as doctor. Well, Jill Biden is not a he might be an important distinction to make at the outset here. His uh, more recent article that came out on 12-17, to call Jill Biden's dissertation thin gruel is an insult to gruel. Whatever meager substance puddled in Bob Cratchit's miserable bowl at mealtime was a bountiful feast compared with this paper. Just to interject for a second, too, could you imagine having a bunch of journalists pouring over schoolwork you did over 15 years ago? Everyone would be afraid of that, I think. I quite love Dickens, but the reference is a little bit odd. I mean, you know, again, again, white guys writing about old, dead white guys is the way to go. It's better. I don't think my dissertation is a sham. It was vetted by some of the names people like to mention, and I wrote about all those white guys you'd expect to see, along with uh, various women and people of color, incidentally. And I think it's a good dissertation, and other people certainly seemed happy enough with it. But it sure didn't cure the coronavirus. Just gave me something to talk about. They made me seem interesting to other guys who looked like me, I guess. So again, it's just uh, gender discrimination masquerading as snobbery, which we see so often in various types of disc discrimination. Make it about taste 
and it won't be about race. Make it about you know, spelling, and it won't be about gender. That's the plan here in these uh, attacks on her. Clearly what Epstein thinks he's doing here is uh, doing the Emersonian thing, which is to sort of uh, smash the idols and to practice the kind of iconoclasm that levels the playing field for newcomers. But he needs to recognize here that he is not the newcomer in this. He is the establishment. Even though he doesn't have a university position anymore, he's at least setting himself up to represent the the establishment and be the arbiter of what is Bush League and what is not. The real Emersonian position here would be to just uh, go your own way. Emerson's actually not that interested in picking fights with past figures. Um, he's, or I would say he's not interested in that at all. He's interested in creating the future, and the future is constructed by individuals moving forward on their own mandates. As he says, this is from Self-Reliance, Trust thyself. Every heart vibrates to that iron string. Nothing is at last sacred but the integrity of your own mind. Basically, uh, don't go around policing other people. Do your own thing. Epstein's thing seems to be over, though. He was also bounced off of the board of the American Scholar, finally, after a string of homophobic and misogynistic articles and editorials where he referred to female scholars as pit bulls and dykes on bikes. Uh, Joyce Carol Oates, a great American novelist, called for his resignation. She said, It is an embarrassment that Joseph Epstein should have been its editor for so many years. His resignation is long overdue. That was in 1991. He was kind of over, I would say, in 1991. It's interesting that since that time, uh, he has or claims to have cleaned up his record on his homophobia, but uh, not on his misogyny. Uh, he's doubled down on that. I guess he's decided to just stick with men and show some solidarity there, but continue to tilt at the windmill of women. The biggest problem with a bully is all the toadies he enables. Tucker Carlson, always the most repellent person in any conversation, called her borderline illiterate and that she doesn't, a doctor is not someone with a PhD and she's a doctor in the same sense that Dr. Pepper is. And then he makes a weird comparison saying that she's a doctor like Dr. Bill Cosby, who actually had a doctorate of education. So good job, Tucker, with your idiotic race-baiting comparisons to America's most famous rapist. Or I guess we need to say alleged rapist because he's in prison for other sex crimes, not rape, never been convicted of that. I'm sure that, uh, that the only association you're angling for there at all is that they both had a doctorate of education, 
or something. Who knows? Who knows how that kind of rhetoric uh, really works? You know, I would say that uh, obviously Dr. Biden's professional identity is very important to her. Everyone's, I think, professional identity is important to them, or mine certainly is to me. And it's really, really understandable how she wouldn't want that to be swallowed up by something as huge as her husband becoming the president of the United States. All she's really doing here is reminding people that she's going to be the first first lady to maintain a job outside of the White House. And I think that that's fantastic and a fantastic example. I'm sorry if I was a little hard on people um, in this episode. I get worked up when I'm defending people. Uh, I like to try to keep this thing positive, and I think that um, a little more civility uh, could cause a revolution in our country for the good. Uh, but you still need to stand up and call it out when people are not playing along. Anyway, friends, thank you for listening. Um, I'll see you next week, okay? Take care of yourselves.